Great, and welcome back to the uh, next episode of CC Talks. And uh, we have the usual crowd here, so uh, we'll do the register and uh, crack on. One of the interesting things before that, though, in future, not for this one, but in future uh, weeks, we'll be uh, actually videoing it as well. So you'll be able to see that on YouTube. So uh, on with the register. So we have, uh, yeah, Mr. Henry Powell. Yes, sir. Good. Oliver Rogers. Yes, Steve. Jack Smith. Yes, sir. And James Powell. Yes, sir. We're all uh, present and correct, so uh, great. We will uh, we'll crack on. And we're going to be covering uh, this week, we've got some M&A action uh, covering uh, mainly the United States. And uh, we've got the Ballon d'Or, the Quant guys have been working hard for that. And then uh, we're going to talk about the, uh, the future of the football stadium with some new developments and, uh, and obviously, uh, again, with uh, some focus on uh, what's happening in America as well. So guys, let's, uh, let's kick off. So yeah, Jack, take us through the, uh, the M&A action and uh, obviously what's been, uh, been happening there. Okay, so the MLS seems to be the lead to investing currently. James Harden's the uh, player of note from the NBA, which has been invested. He's invested recently in the company that holds stakes in the Houston Dash and Houston Dynamos, which are the female football team and the male football team. Hmm. He's not the first uh, NBA player to do that, though he's following in the footsteps of LeBron James, who um, earlier in 2011 placed a 2% stake in the parent company who own Liverpool, which is mm, Fenway Sports Group. Mm. Yeah. And it's all about, with, them, with sports people earning more and more these days, they've started to invest further in their individual portfolios and sports teams seem to be natural. And with the MLS growing so rapidly, it's, it, it is probably natural expansion from these NBA players that are earning so much every week to get further involved in American sport. David Beckham did it in the past. He's got his Miami franchise, which he got a nice deal for, 25 million, which mm. came as part of the package for his LA contract. Mm, yeah. But the, the more recent franchises are costing a lot more to 200 million. Yeah, mm. so he's gonna get a great return on that. Yeah, the MLS has obviously expanded, um, going up from 24 teams up to 30, with two notable expansions being added Miami, which will debut in 2020, mm -hmm. and Austin, which are going to debut in 2021. The aim is that they're going to expand to 30 teams. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it, is a, it is a huge, huge investment opportunity that a lot of people are uh, trying to get involved with. On the other side of it, you've got Vincent Tan, who's trying to get rid of his stake in LAFC. Los Angeles football. Yeah, yeah. So the the club itself is reportedly worth approximately three hundred five million dollars, and he's trying to shift off his twenty percent stake, which going off the the maths would be worth about sixty one million dollars. So that would be a good clawback. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's obviously got a stake. The mo the most clear one is in is in Cardiff. Mm -hmm. And what what was the return on the investment for Liverpool? It's about it's it's increased in value about fivefold, mm -hmm. um, so the the value of the value of Liverpool um, um, earlier this week or at the back end of last week was um, valued at one point seven five billion. Yeah. So his two percent stake is fivefold up on on yeah. his investment, which yeah. is interesting to see the increase from twenty eleven to twenty nineteen. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the most obvious increase in value. Is if you if you invest in one of these top clubs would be winning winning um, either the league or mm -hmm. winning in Liverpool's case the Champions League which they've done on they've done this this past season so they would have got a, a huge huge boost from that and just grown as a sports group so yeah mm -hmm. what what I've noticed is the amount of ex 
uh, players or sportsmen in general that are choosing to make their investments specifically in sport. So clearly the fact that it's their sector preference, mm. their, their mm. general background, they just want to invest in that industry. They're clearly not just going to some financial advisors and saying, what should I put my money into? They specifically want to invest in the sport that they're associated with. Yeah, that, that leverages their, their brand because a lot of the most successful certainly investors here are well-known you know, household mm-hmm. names. So they have a brand, whether they have other affiliated, you know, um, whether it's a clothing line or a, you know, or a sports line or whatever it may be. So there may be an element of being, you know, having their name associated with yeah. the club in the MLS also allows them to promote themselves. You know, and I'm sure you know, any publicity will, will focus people on whatever else they're involved in. Mm-hmm. So and it works the other way as well with clubs want to have their that player's name associated with, with their club. Yeah, so they'll probably be going out to these players when they're looking for a raise mm. and asking these big names to get involved. It would, that would be very clear with Houston at the minute because James Harden plays for the basketball team, Houston mm-hmm. Rockets, and he's this season's MVP. Yeah. So that would that would balance up. LeBron James passed MVP. Yeah. Now obviously small affiliation, but still affiliation with a club like Liverpool. Yeah. David Beckham, arguably one of the most renowned footballers in the world, bringing up the franchise of Miami. That's going to draw in huge, huge crowds. It's going to draw in huge media attention. And yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's about the collaboration with the name and the brand and the team. It, it all comes together nicely. Good, okay. Well, our next topic for uh, this podcast is uh, the Ballon d'Or. And uh, Oliver, I know you've been working with, uh, obviously, Henry and, and the Quan guys to uh, come up with some, uh, some figures for uh, seeing who's, who's coming out on top. Yeah, well, we do have some figures, but first we'll have a look at what the bookies are saying for okay. now. Um, <laughs> so Van Dyke is the clear favourite at four to six, and then Messi um, a bit behind at six to five. Mm. Um, I mean, the public opinion actually differs quite strongly from that. Um, in a lad bible study, so um, this, is, this is your basis for public opinion. <laughs> exactly, lad yeah. Bible. A okay. hugely representative yeah. sample. Fifty-four percent of people voted for Lionel Messi, um, mm-hmm. followed by forty percent for Van Dyke. Who, so, who else is in the frame? Then, yeah, you know, who are the other sort of, you know, four or five? So, Sadio Mane falls just behind Van... Well, not just behind, well behind Van Dijk at 3%, yeah. and then Mohamed Salah at 3%. This is the Ballon d'Or and not the best player in Liverpool, is it? Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, clearly, Liverpool's European success has had a, had a strong influence on that. I mean, that's that, interesting, though. isn't it? Because, if, yeah, this is kind of what we talk about with the quant, that, you know, it's, it's you know, a comparison of subjective with... Mm. Objective, mm-hmm. and part of the problem is you know looking at a football player subjectively is you sort of remember the last few things that that player did. Yeah. And you know, given that the Champions League final was the last game of the season and Liverpool mm. won it, you know, do you think there's a bias on on that basis that it's you know they can't remember what happened back in November? Yeah, and that's why so many Liverpool players are actually yeah. in, in the shorts. Yeah. Massively, and, and similarly... There was a, yeah, there was a Champions League, but yeah, they didn't mm-hmm. win anything else. And similarly to that, remember um, when Pogba was voted by, by the PFA to be in the team of the season? Yes. I mean, that's obviously a bit questionable, but... 
you I'm, know. I'm not. I'm not sure whether that is that questionable. To be yeah, but but this came off the back of Pogba having a really good run, a good few games. Right, so it. he, he clearly Solskjaer, would have got yeah. more votes yeah. just because of that period. Yeah, um, that was after Solskjaer took over. Wasn't yeah, it? Because, I mean, and actually, we know from our we have the figures here, but we know from our quant that Pogba actually is much more effective for Manchester United than you might mm-hmm. you might think. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the reason why there was a lot of news around that is it was just you know. People were saying, yeah, Pogba, and he has a, mm-hmm. he has not a, the most popular. No, he isn't. He has, a, he has a, a language style, mm-hmm. doesn't he, to mm-hmm. his play? Yeah. Which, and again, it's, it's that subjective versus mm-hmm. objective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I suppose, I mean, you know, what does the quant say? It, you know, you know, we've run the figures for last season, so this is based on their league performances. So yes. Messi, obviously, in La Liga, and Van Dijk in the Premier League. Um, so based on those league performances, you know. You, we could argue we should add Champions League into that. We can do that. But on the league performances, who, who comes out top? Well, the player standout is Lionel Messi. Yeah. His rating was way above like, the likes of Van Dijk and Ronaldo. They were pretty close in second, weren't they? In second, it was quite close, but yeah. Messi was a clear, clear yeah. winner this yeah. time. Mm-hmm. 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 And, and we, we were saying, actually, in, in, you know, earlier in the office, Oliver, that because you were making a point about you know, Liverpool had kept 22 clean sheets and you were trying to apply that to Van Dijk yeah. and it's not as easy to do that is it as, you know, as applying number of goals so Lionel Messi scores 50 goals mm-hmm. in a season but you know, he directly yeah. scored 50 goals and they're directly attributable to him mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. when, when you're looking at clean sheets or you're looking at you know, how few goals have been conceded it's not as easy to attribute that directly to one one particular player because you know you could argue Allison had a had a good yeah. season. He kept quite a lot of clean sheets. Yeah. You know, that defensive unit was obviously very effective, and then we then have to sort of break that down and determine well who is predominantly responsible for that because you know what you know what we do is we measure you know mm-hmm. how you avoid a goal being conceded mm-hmm. as part of the measurement, and in doing that we can see that actually Van Dijk. Con- you know, contributed significantly more than, um, you know, say, Alisson in, in, in goal. And, and I think that's probably about right. I mm-hmm. think, you know, I think a lot of people, if you leave the goals conceded out of it, you know, the guy that probably stood out, the goalkeeper that stood out in the Premier League last season is probably Edison, simply because, you know, the, the skills and, you know, the fact that he plays much further out and he becomes like a, yeah. an 11th outfield player at, at times. Um, I argue he's a better keeper as well. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know we should we should probably win the uh, win the quality we have, have we? Yeah, yeah. Really. Alison was better. Alison was better than yeah. Edison. Early just. Edison's yeah. definitely a bit more erratic and exciting to watch. Yeah, I would say. <laughs> you can say that. So what we're saying, so what we're saying at present is that based on last season. Yeah. And and the Ballon d'Or is always a bit funny because it's always towards the back end of the year, sort of December time. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be, I can never quite work out whether it's based on the calendar year or whether it's based on mm-hmm. the, the season. season. Yeah, mm-hmm. the season. Um, but based on last season, we think that Lionel Messi is by far the standout candidate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, and we'll, we'll put a paper together. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think the issue with the Ballon d'Or is that, like you're saying, because of where it's placed in the year and because of so you, you get you'd get the stars from this year, which were obviously you're talking Messi's clearly 
outshone again at Barcelona. Van Dijk's a standout defender at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. You've still got all the forwards, yeah. but then by the time you get there, it's it's almost it's almost forgotten. And it, it comes into particular prominence when there's been a summer international competition. That changes it up, mm-hmm. yes. and mm-hmm. the subjectiveness because yeah. it's not it won't be decided solely down. It's voted by players. It's voted by managers, yeah. and all of that comes in. It, it it has the ability to take away from who on figures and who's actually put the most into the team actually deserves to win the Ballon d'Or. Yeah, and, and I think um, you know, we look at it purely objectively. Yeah. Um, but if you think that you know, Modric won it last year, and on any objective basis, he probably was mm-hmm. not the mm-hmm. best player mm-hmm. last yeah. year. But he had a very good World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, also, there's, there's probably also a sense that, you know, if you can avoid it being Messi or Ronaldo, yeah. Yeah. given yeah. that they've won it so many seasons yeah. beforehand, then then actually it'd be quite good for, for the Ballon d'Or. So these are mm-hmm. these are things that get taken into account, uh, I'm sure, but aren't actually the the best way to analyse whether you know, they're mm-hmm. actually the best player in the world. Uh, well, nine of the as you were saying, nine of the twelve winners um, since two thousand six won the, the Champions League the the same season. Yes. Um, so clearly that is a, a significant consideration um, yeah. when the award is made. So I, I would personally say because Van Dijk has been clearly the best defender. Throughout. Well, I might disagree with that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the yeah. James Milner had a good campaign as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to see the correlations between players who've won Champions League, players who've been involved in World Cup winning teams in that year, European Cup winning teams, and the Euros for that, I mean. And if you look at the correlation of that, it would be interesting to see whether, when was the last time somebody won it who didn't win one of the top competitions? So, I've got them, the exceptions. Um, yeah, that would be Kaká, um, well, the, the four names, Kaká, Ronaldo, Messi and, and Modric, um, are the, all of the players since 2006 um, to have won it. And then the exceptions have been Messi's 91 goals in 2012 uh, and 60 in 2010, and then Ronaldo's 66 goals in 2013. So those are seasons where they didn't win Ballon d'Or, but they've just had an absolutely exceptional goal return. Now, Stadio, Jack, we, we talked, obviously, you talked about David Beckham earlier on with the MLS franchises, and uh, of course, he's been doing some, uh, some major plans and uh, obviously release of what's going on over there. But before that, let's get on to the, the latest news, which is uh, obviously these gents are, are, uh, are watching carefully because they are the, the red side. So what 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 are they do? Yes, from the blue side, the new the the new update is that they've unveiled the plans for the Docklands Stadium, mm, which yep. is they, they look quite impressive. You know the the visual release it look quite yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, it looks very very modern. It's a it's certainly going to be an upgrade on what mm-hmm. they've currently got in Goodison yeah, Park. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it's interesting. I mean, then Liverpool have have almost returned fire by. I suppose changing their changing their original plans for a four thousand seat expansion mm, to yeah. be a nine thousand seat expansion, yeah. which is mm. another huge increase considering that they only changed their previous stadium, um, 
two years ago mm, yeah. was the last expansion mm-hmm. and they've got a huge I can understand that Liverpool want to push and push and push because they, they do have a stadium ticket waiting list which would explain mm-hmm. that well that's the thing I mean these boys both Liverpool fans and uh, yeah, clearly there's a demand there so uh, it was always planned to do the development in stages yeah um, yeah phase development yeah. but obviously all they're doing is that they, they, if they can have an opportunity to redesign it to get 9,000 an extra mm-hmm. 5,000 seats yeah, that's great. That's more more revenue, more hospitality, more season tickets, and um, you know, if the if the stadium can do it, then why not? So yeah, I, I mean, the reports in the press were ripped up the sort of planning permission for the four thousand, and let's rethink it. So yeah, uh, but just going back onto the the Everton uh, development, you know, that is a relocation to the Docklands. Yeah, it's a whole regeneration project. I think the council are you know contributing significant funds, something like a quarter of a quarter of a billion okay. into the project. Um, but the great thing is, it'll have a massive impact, not just for the enjoyment of the Everton fans, but it'll also have a massive impact for the regeneration of that area. And I think there's something like it'll put a billion pounds back into the local community. So it's a, you know, it's it's going to be a tremendous, you know, yeah, tremendous regeneration of, of that that area, and of course, uh, give the spectators some quality, you know, quality stadium experience like the guys, you know, Tottenham are now experiencing. You know, wait a long time for Tottenham to finally get finished. But certainly the feedback I've got, and I think several of us have, is that it is spectacular uh, when you go in. But remembering that that is obviously, because that was what? That was 850 million to, to build. You know, and obviously considerable delays, and I'm sure Mr. Levy will got some back yeah. in, in compensation. But they have obviously an NHL, an NFL pitch there as well. So that adds, you know. Yeah, I see. The NFL pitch at Spurs, they've got that, they've got a mini brewery, you know, the, it, it is a big complex and it's it's the return on investment that the clubs will see is by adding more and more and more to the stadium <coughs> experience for the fans. Mm. It's kind of almost going for the American feel, yeah. where it's not just you turn at three o'clock for your Saturday afternoon kickoff and you're out the stadium before six. You, you turn up, it's, it's almost a day out, you've got other stuff at the stadium. You, you, you essentially spend your whole day there. How long do you think that will last? Because mm-hmm. you know, that, that's always been the aim, hasn't it, for, you know, for particularly for Premier League clubs, is to try and replicate that sort of American football, or, or you know, football in particular, you know, NFL you know, experience, where you go fairly early in the day, you, know, you can have things to eat at the stadium, there's other things to do, you stay there for the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Experience. Is, is that, you know, is it always going to be like that? Or, or, or is, you know, we've talked in the past about virtual reality, you know, will that start to, to, to really eat mm-hmm. into, into that, where you get a better experience from being mm-hmm. with your mates? On the sofa, you know, yeah. at, at, you know uh, getting the food, you know, yeah. food delivered in and, and having the experience that way. I mean, you know, what... Mm-hmm. I think if if football clubs can do it right, like clearly the American sports franchises have got, they seem to have it right because they've got people turning up week in, week out, whenever they've got a game, they turn up to spend the day. If English clubs can do it properly to fit in with the demographic, you know, you, if if you make the if you make the stuff at the stadiums too expensive, and tickets tickets are expensive anyway. If you if you keep it down to a level, which means that people from the local area and your, your supporters 
can afford to enjoy themselves mm-hmm. when they want to turn up, you will get you will get the, the heads mm-hmm. there. And yeah, it's difficult with some clubs. I know it's a, it's a trouble at Man United. It's a trouble at Liverpool with the fact that they do have huge stadium ticket um, waiting lists. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bigger they make the stadiums and the more all-round experience it is, for me personally, mm-hmm. as long as it's affordable and it's something that can be really enjoyable, then I'd, I don't see why it wouldn't. I mean, people who go to football currently, you know, the majority of people would either go to the bar before, go for some food before or after. But if you can do it all in one place mm-hmm. at a reasonable price and it's good standards, so why not do it all mm-hmm. there early? Mm-hmm. VR is an interesting one. I know yeah. you've mentioned a few things, Steve, about it. Yeah, I mean, the big question I, I have, I mean, and, you know, remember now, it's, it's the, not only is it to go and watch the football, but you've also got the merchandising, you've got your museums, you've got your... Yeah, obviously, you, 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 you football shops, and then all the other leisure and retail around them. Most of them, I mean, we'll come on to Brentford, uh, which is another London club that are putting putting a stadium up. So, but my big thing is, is obviously this massive investment. We talked earlier about you know how long, you know, what's the shelf life of these stadiums? You know, when they're the wear and tear and everything. It's okay, pitches get replaced and stuff. But is it a you know on the sort of previous sort of phase of new stadia, the sort of 25, 30 year shelf life? Will it be 30 years? And, and what is over that interim period? You know, we see the input impact that I think anyway, virtual reality is going to have. Yeah. But remembering that that is really for people as the Asian and, and the, the, you know, the, the new mm-hmm. territories mm-hmm. open up and North America and others that can't physically fly into the stadium. You know, I think that's how it will progress. Really. It I will, think so. It'll start geographically mm. yeah, as far away from the stadium as possible. Yeah. Maybe they yeah. actually start to, you know, VR is not necessarily going to be an alternative to somebody going to this 52,000. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody who can experience it live, live, yeah. so to speak, is going to take that opportunity. Exactly. I, I think it will change that live experience because people will want to make more of a full day of it. Because if, if, if people can essentially attain a really good VR version of the game at home with ease really quickly, then that could be, become more of a regular occurrence yes. for, for someone to participate yeah. mm, in. Mm. And then you'll have these big events that maybe you'll go to once every couple of months that are quite expensive with ever-increasing ticket prices. I mean, yeah. VR, yeah, we're, you know, we're sort of looking into our crystal ball, but I think you know, the, the, the first big impact it's going to have is, you know, obviously, providing the, the goggles aren't too big or whatever, but we're already starting to see it. I, I, I think the BT Sport or, or Sky Sports have already started to explain mm-hmm. all this. Mm-hmm. Is, it, it's going to be that additional package, isn't it? On the sky, on your Sky yeah, Sports, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. subscription, yeah, because it, it's not going to stop you going to Liverpool if you can get tickets, which shows that Liverpool needs to expand or you know, going to the city or to to, mm-hmm. to Newcastle United. It's not going to stop that. What it is, it's going to be an alternative. Henry smiling because he's thinking, "Well, City can't fill the stadium anyway." <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to be an it's going to be an additional option, isn't it, for your Sky Sports subscription? Yeah, so, yeah. if I want to watch Crystal Palace versus Everton, mm-hmm. which is the first game of it the is. season, I don't yeah. support either of those those no. teams. Um, but you know, I've been I'd love to watch it in, in VR. I feel like I'm sat on you know see you know yeah yeah and, and, and sits on row C or whatever. And and and, and, and of course the great the great thing is you can change where where you sit in the in the stadium, 
And yeah, or you can have it good, yeah. I'm watching Man City, you can sit also, next to Pep. You can also, sit on the bench next to Pep. Yeah, the yeah, new yeah, like ambassador. Yeah, um, big <coughs> But what's an interesting one, talking about City, here's a, here's another thing, it's a bit like a puppy dog approach, okay, is that when somebody experiences it, say somebody's over in Asia and they experience you know, watching City uh, you know, on the virtual reality, remembering that City obviously now have investments into, City Football Group have investments all around the world. So it's almost, wow, I really enjoyed that, but I'd love to go and see it live. Yes. Because it's never going to be as good as live, I, I, yeah. I don't think. I never say never. So what they'll do is, somebody from there will say, well, I can't afford to go and fly over to, to, to Manchester City, okay, but I can go to you know, the Chinese stadium or, or whichever uh, stadium they have in the world, if it's in Australia. So they can go and see the club or associated live stadiums. So I think there'll be an element of, of participation but also, it will give somebody a goal that if they've experienced you know, coming into, into, uh, into, into City and their experience on virtual reality, I reckon that's going to put on their, their list of things to do is we've got to go and see a live game. So I think it'll actually increase the demand yeah. for participation in the stadium because also they can then go and, and then make a, a weekend of it, go to the museum, go and have a tour of the stadium, do this. So, so the virtual reality is almost a very soft way of Promotion, isn't it? Yeah, it's more football fans, yeah. I, I think so. So and the full day is the American way. Mm. Yeah, it, no, it is. Mm. But uh, it's, you see how you brought that back in full yeah. circle. That, that, that Sorry. So with that, Jack, with that brilliant yeah. link, over to you, sir. Here we go. So yeah, like I mentioned, uh, Beckham in, in the Miami previously. You spoiled it now. Yeah. Yeah, you brought it round. You keep him going, John Carrick. You're really good. That's well done. Yeah. So it's. The, with, within Miami, they've developed their Freedom Park, which mm. is an 110-acre site, mm. which is going to be their sports development. And on the site, bars, restaurants, 58 acres of public park, football fields, and then the stadium as well. So this full day out has been, you know, they've done, mm. it, they've done it right up to the standard. Mm. Huge pieces of land, and they're really trying to draw in on not only local, but also the tourists with having somebody like David Beckham in front of it. Yeah. It's going to bring in international crowds, it's going to bring in international attention. And they've had, as they've been developing the, the, the Freedom Park for a few years now. David Beckham's been pushing it, it's you know on social media, with it. it's got its Instagram page, with its website, and it's mm. ready to debut in the MLS in 2020. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what level of fans they start with and how this entire experience on the park returns the investment that has been put in by David Beckham and the other investors. Mm, yeah. yeah, and they've got a huge academy there as well, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, developing the, a large academy. Huge academy. Mm. They're going to have the rent from the bars and the restaurants that, that will, they'll be on site. They've got ticket sales. And like you were saying, when you bring in the tourism and you've got the more fans wanting to turn up and go, mm. merchandise sales, mm -hmm. sales inside the stadium. So it will be interesting to see if there's any figures released in the next few years as to how that revenue's turned around from a sports franchise that is going to be a, is going to be a huge addition and is going to have a huge effect on Miami's local economy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and all done without any municipal help. Okay, we're coming to our favourite spot, uh, the Mourinho Minute, and uh, and James, what's uh, what's uh, obviously uh, Mr. Mourinho been doing this week? Nothing. Yeah. 
That's it. Well, no, that's nothing, nothing to report. Well, yeah, but he was. He did a Sky interview. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. Well, I know. He's well, got nothing to report. I know he wore his big Adidas t-shirt. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's not. Yeah. Have we signed him up? No, then. And uh, look, he, he's <clears> going to be ready there. That's what he's going to be. Yeah. He'll get to November. There'll be a big club that's not doing as well as it should be doing. Mourinho will come in. It's too late now. Isn't yeah, it? no, he will be. Yeah. Maybe we should do a piece on um, the brand of Mourinho and how it's changed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it, it, it was Adidas was right on the forefront, and as he wandered along the beach. But uh, yeah, it was a weird interview, really. But you're right. Nothing. He's, he's just keeping his options open, and uh, but he wants to top return to the top five. That's it. Leagues. Okay, good. Good. Five seconds, less than a minute for once. Great stuff. Well, thanks uh, for uh, listening. Uh, obviously, a packed uh, podcast there, and uh, just uh, obviously a lot of football uh, about to uh, kick off uh, for the competitive football anyway for the next uh, uh, weekend. First of all, this weekend we have a battle of, uh, and I'm looking around at the guys here. Obviously, Man City versus Liverpool for the the Charity Shield on Sunday. Um, should be a competitive game and we'll talk about that next week and then of course we've got the championship uh, starting on Friday with Luton uh, versus Middlesbrough so uh, yeah everything's going on transfer, win- transfer window closes next week and um, we're all hands on deck ready for uh, an exciting season ahead of us so thanks again guys good luck with uh, everything you're doing and uh, good luck if you're a, a Liverpool or a Man City supporter and Luton or Middlesbrough and we'll see you next week